Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philip. I always say philately for hmm. philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS affiliated club, so give us your APS number also. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Lord Cash. This is Viceroy Mark. This is Sir Jim. And uh, we just saw in the new lens, this is the lens dated March 13th. March 13th? It's not March 13th yet. Oh, they always uh, issue the magazine way in advance of the actual date. Yeah, exactly. So this is the new lens, which is dated into the future. So we're actually time travelers right, right. now, traveling into the future to read you. Anyway, here is one of the paragraphs that comes straight from the U.S. Postal Service. And this is part of the story that comes directly from Lynn's Magazine. In a February 16th filing on the Federal Register website, the Postal Service proposed to revise the domestic mail manual to provide that when all articles with counterfeit stamps are found, they will be considered abandoned and disposed of. We already discussed what that means. Right. Of at the discretion of the Postal Service, rather than being returned to the sender, as the affixing of counterfeit postage reflects a refusal to pay postage or an international effort to avoid paying postage. So I thought that was an interesting little thing that I hadn't seen until just now with this, is that... Uh, they considered it an international scheme. Well, they're saying that it reflects a refusal to pay. Yeah. And so that's kind of interesting because, of course, most people don't refuse to pay. They just are buying counterfeit stamps. Who knows whether or not they even know that they are purchasing them. I mean, that's the whole idea of what the, how the websites are set up is that it looks like they're buying them from the post office. Yeah, if this, if this is not accompanied by a, an ad campaign by the Postal Service pointing out um, the, the fact that the counterfeit postage exists, I think it's going to, uh, I, I think it's, it's going to fail unless you get some, you know, terrific story about how a, uh, a, a, a person with uh, an iron lung uh, mailed in their check to the you know, to the uh, power company with a with a uh, counterfeit stamp, and it got dumped uh, as abandoned mail, and now their iron lung was shut off, and they died horribly. And there's a big, you know, big. And like news. I said, if if that no if that story doesn't exist, they should hire some Hollywood screenwriter to write it so that it does. Right. Because that's the only way you're going to get the public on your side. Is, is that fake news? To realize that they exist. Well, you, ha you have to be able to get the news media to cover the story. Right. And the way, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. 
So you have to generate blood. You know, you have to have somebody going through some horrible hardship because they saved 50% of the postage by buying on Facebook instead of actually buying from the post office. So we'll see what they do. Well, speaking about faking stuff, we actually have some fake articles, right? Yeah. You're talking about the um, artificial intelligence. Or real intelligence. Yeah, they they (laughs) pull from real intelligence. So um, one of our dear friends, um, I guess, went to the... Oh, you can give him a shout-out. Jim Forty? Yeah. We give Jim a f- shout out on this. Program? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't no, diminish Jim. the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> Jim. Jim's a really good friend of our podcast, and anyway, he gave us this information concerning um, his chat with. Is it Chatbot? Is that, yes. Is that the one that he used? Well, I don't know. There's two AI. Yeah, there's two of them. There's uh, Google and there's Microsoft. Yeah. And so I don't know whether this is chat EPT or chat bot. Yeah. So anyway, he asked for the definition of postal history. And I thought that was pretty good. And what did it say? I'm going to read that right now. Postal history refers to the study and collection of materials related to the history of postal system, including postage stamps, postal stationery, postmarks, and other postal artifacts. It encompasses the study of the social, economic, and political aspects of the development of postal systems and their impact on society. Postal history enthusiasts may focus on specific periods, countries, or themes, and may collect stamps, covers, and other postal materials that illustrate the history of the postal system and its evolution over time. So computer got it dead on, I'd say. Computer yeah, one. If it's you were a high school student assigned with, you know, defining what postal history is, this is an A paper. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very succinct one-paragraph um, statement that, pretty much describes postal history as we collect it. So then he asked for the postal history of Nevada, and I don't want to read all of that, but I have perused that and find it basically accurate. Um, Nevada became a state in 1864. Um, Development of the Pony Express and the Overland Mail both went across Nevada, et cetera, et cetera. Then he asked for the postal history of Clark County, Nevada. That happens to be the county that Las Vegas is in. So it starts out, Nevada has, Clark County, Nevada has a rich postal history dating back to the late 19th century. It actually goes back further than that, but, um, well, I'll read this and then explain why. The first post office in the county was established in Las Vegas in 1905, which was also the year that the county was formed. Here are some significant events in the postal history of Clark County. And it goes on to explain um, significant events in Clark County. The problem is is that the area that encompasses Clark County was always there and had post offices 
back into the 1850s, um, the uh, area at that time was in Arizona Territory. And, uh, well, first it was in Utah Territory, then it was in Arizona Territory, then it was in Lincoln County, and finally Lincoln County was split in 1905 to 1907 in that area into Clark and Lincoln. So technically the IBOT was correct that Las Vegas was the first post office in Clark County, uh, but there were other post offices long before that. So the history is not exactly right. Um, I am surprised that they don't have that understanding of, you know, you can be in the same place and be in two different counties. And yeah. so... It's sort of like uh, Columbus discovered America, except for everybody who discovered it before him. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if... <laughs> or he the, didn't even land on the mainland. He discovered some islands. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the if the question itself is what lent, it, lent this particular answer, because the question was Clark postal County. history of Clark County, Nevada, which Clark County, Nevada wasn't incorporated until then. Whereas if you, I think if you were to ask the question... Postal history of the area of Clark County, Nevada. I wonder if it would have picked up on the the Utah Territory and Arizona Territory. Well, they've got some. He asked about the postal history of Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and again, it um, misses some very key dates. Uh, the first post office in Las Vegas was established in 1905. That is factually incorrect. The first post office in Las Vegas was established in 1893 at the St Helen J. Stewart Ranch, and she was the postmistress. Many of you who are locals would, un would recognize the name Helen J. Stewart because there is a school named after that pioneer woman. So there are postmarks um, from Las Vegas. The interesting part of that is it's spelled L-O-S, not L-A-S like we do today. Um, and that was changed in 1903. So, oh, I'm sorry, 1900. It was changed to the LAS uh, designation. So both of those post offices precede the 1905 establishment of the town of Las Vegas as a township. Now there were people here, so it, it served those people. Another factual error on this um, was that in 1955, the United States Postal Service opened a new public post office building in downtown Las Vegas. That building still stands today and features a distinctive mid-century modern design. I'm not sure that the date is correct on that. Um, I know the building still exists. The building <laughs> is still there. It is a beautiful building of that mid-century I would say it was more like in the 40s, but I'm not sure on the date of that. So, well, I mean, basically, basically, I guess what I'm saying is, is that um, when you're dealing with trying to figure out what AI is going to do, you have to be, as Mark said, very specific in your questioning. Otherwise, you're going to get an answer like this last one. Are stamp collectors deranged? 
No, stamp collectors are not deranged. <laughs> stamp collecting, also known as flattily, is a popular hobby enjoyed by millions of people around the world. Stamp collectors are often passionate about their hobby, but that doesn't mean they are deranged. <laughs> and then it goes on to talk about how much fun the hobby is. So I, I think they got that one right, but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Very cute. Well, I mean, the way that, and again, we don't know for sure because they haven't released it, but how it looks like it's working is a chat bot just does a Google search and then it grabs everything and it puts it in grammatically correct order. And one of the things that it's being criticized for is like being political or stuff like that. And it really isn't political or anything. What it does is it goes through and like, if you wrote something like Republicans are evil, it would go through and, and I don't, uh, please, I'm just using that as a reference. I don't think Republicans are evil. I, Used to be one way back when. Um, but the they will pull up, I don't know, a thousand saying that they are evil and 2,000 that says they're not evil. And then the chatbot will either say, some people say this, but the majority of people say that, or it will go for just whoever has the most posts. Right. And so they'll say, no, they're not. And here's why. And then it'll basically you were outvoted 2000 to 1000. Well, we were discussing this at lunch and I brought up the fact that I read an article about a gentleman who wrote this article um, debating the AI uh, program on global warming and he basically cited facts and figures, and as he was citing the facts and figures, the computer was correcting itself. Mm -hmm. So the computer initially said, yes, this is the case, whatever it was. And then he would say, well, what about this and this and this? And then the computer would answer, I'm sorry, my previous answer was misleading. You are correct. This is what, <laughs> that it, that information is correct. So it, it was learning, well, but it, it was yeah. learning as it sorted through the process. Well, what it was doing is, again, it was doing a Google search on the entries that it was finding. And so it would find a thousand that said, you know, one thing. And then you would pick out one part of it, and the algorithm would say, oh, there's 125 over here which are specific to that point. So I'm not going to look at the 1,000. Now I'm looking at the 125. And then you pull out one point of the 125 postings and you say, oh, then these six. And again, the chat GPT is smart enough to, you know, it looks at, you know, some research establishment and not Joe, the homeless guy who happened to get his hands on a computer that day and started <laughs> railing against something. Uh, so it is interesting it'll it it will assist but it definitely needs to be spell checked or and it needs to be fact checked so yes. we'll we'll see what happens over the next couple of years i mean it will be interesting because in philately if you look at like 
the American philatelist, which, by the way, everybody, join the APS. If you're not a member of the APS, your punishment is you're not a member of the APS. It's a great organization. But the uh, let's say you have, uh, they're talking about a railroad line through Kansas during the Civil War. And the chat GPT will write all about it, but it won't have any of the postal stationery. It won't have any of the stamped usages. It won't have any of the cancels or anything like that. All it'll be is words. So, you know, people say, well, you know, in our industry, that'll put everything away. And I go, no, there's absolutely no competition. People want, stamp collectors want to see stamps. Yeah, when you you read an article about postal history, for example, you want to see, like, when, when I'm describing those post offices, I can prove it because I can demonstrate it with this visual picture of the cover from 1902 or something. So, yeah, I think those are the kinds of things that will still be available. I, I think we ought to have a um, listener's poll and invite the listeners to ask the AI. We're going to poll our listeners? That sounds painful. No, I guess it, that's not the right word. <laughs> An experiment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we could, we could um, ask our listeners to ask AI, is Stamp Show Here Today podcast a worthwhile thing? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and Actually, I, picture, I can picture in my mind um, the the um, image that came out of the last episode, the latest episode of The Crown. If you don't follow that show, this is uh, at, at the point now when they're talking about the British Crown where Charles and Diana are divorced and divorcing. And you know, we all remember historically that was very acrimonious. And she is watching a TV show. The TV show says... Call this number if you vote we maintain the monarchy. And call this number if you think that we should do away with the monarchy. So Diana calls the phone, and you can hear the operator saying, you have now cast your ballot for no on the monarchy. (laughs) And then for the next little, through all the intro and everything, Diana is sitting there hitting redial <laughs> over and over and over again. So I'm, I'm picturing that happening to us, but go ahead, try that and see what AI says about our podcast. Hey, we yeah. have, we have fantastic feedback on the computer for this with the exception. And we, we actually did an apology to her right. when uh, the, we upset some, I'm guessing we upset some LGBTQ plus people. And uh, person. that's... Person. We had one. No, we had two. We had, oh, we had two. We had two posts. So, so it wasn't a he, she, it was a they, them. Yes, exactly. Okay, got it. It was a they, them. So two people Plural. posted something that we were uh, insensitive or something. It's something, I forget what they were. I mean, they, they, it, it was basic internet stuff. And if you're still listening, folks, uh, like I said, we, we, are, we are apologetic. Uh, we were commenting on stamps, not on people. Yeah, it was the Title IX stamp, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah the Title IX stamp, I, I, which I, I continue to think is stupid. I, would, it would, I think it would be interesting to ask 
the uh, the chat about um, about you know subjective things like you know what's the most attractive United States stamp? Oh, that's you know, a good one. Or, uh, you know what's the what's the you know what's the most famous cancellation on a cover? You know, you know kind of stuff that stuff that. Um, Subjective. Yeah, so that's a bit more subjective and, and, and see what it comes up with. Well, but what it would do is it would do a search right. for most attractive stamp. Right, yeah, and you wouldn't know what that. Whatever so, got the most. Yeah, you want something on like, uh, like uh, you know, what do you collect? <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. If you were to collect stamps, what would you collect and why? Oh, that's a good question. Boy. We're going to have some fun with this. Yeah. So anyway, we, me and Mark went to uh, San Diego this last weekend. And uh, by the way, my son, Sean, who is an exhibitor, he exhibited his U.S. Railroad Perfins on cover. And he got a large Vermeer, very impressed with that. And he got the Youth Grand Award. So uh, he did very well. Consid- considering he is still under 18... He is 17. The, he just turned 17. The large Vermeer is a very remarkable accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Well, it, just and for people who aren't aware, a lot of points in an exhibit go for scarcity, rarity, and research. Right. A 17-year-old usually doesn't have the budget to get scarce and rare stuff and, generally speaking, doesn't do a lot of research either because... They don't have access to put stuff in the publications like I write. Jim wrote a whole book, um, two books. He just he just uh, modestly yeah. <laughs> pointed out. <laughs> so, you know, we are writers, but, you know, we have been in the ho- hobby for decades. You know, finding a, something that a 17 year old could write about is kind of tough. So. You know, a large Vermeer is kind of at the top of the grade where they can get. Yep. And I've seen his exhibit. It is very, very good, very interesting, and he spent a lot of time on it. Yep. So uh, how how did you do at the show? I had a pretty good time. I spent about $4,000 on stamps at the the show, had my nose in, in stamps the whole time. Um, I bought a uh, I, I bought a Scott number two ten, which I believe is a two eleven B, so that'll be interesting if it uh, if that comes out the way I think it will. You watermarked it at the table and didn't tell the guy or something? Uh, no, no, it uh, it has to do with the um, uh, with the uh, the impression of the stamp. It's the two cent Washington. Um, oh, I thought brown oh, one. I thought it was the one with the watermark. Sorry. No, no, and, and the uh, and, and the thing is, the two eleven B they look very close to the two ten. There's supposed to be a a difference in um, in shade, but the two tens come in a bunch of different shades, so that's not really reliable. But what is kind of reliable is the the very fine work la- uh, lath work in the uh, in the toga button and the toga, uh, you know, at at the base of his uh, of the neck, you know, and shoulder. And so, um, so this this stamp had all the all the telltale details. So I'm hoping that comes out okay. And then I bought a really nice 404 uh, from Guy Gasser, um, which uh, which is a, a you know a, a terrific stamp, terrific rare stamp, the Perf 10. Um, so I'm 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 hoping that will Perf 10. Uh, what 404 is the uh, Washington Franklin? No, no, 404 is the uh, is the Pan American. Oh, oh, yeah, because you got you got the Perf 10 11s and yeah, the 10 yeah. yeah, so 
So uh, that was fun. But uh, but the the uh, the drive over was interesting because uh, <laughs> it was the middle of the uh, the the winter storm warnings, and um, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I heard some complaints, but I know that in the news they were telling everybody, you know, don't travel, don't go out of your house because it's the you know worst storm ever. And on Friday, the opening day, it. Uh, it was just kind of cloudy on Saturday. It was just a rainy day. Sunday was 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 kind of sunny. So it really didn't materialize as being a terrible storm. But as I understand it, there wasn't a lot of traffic. No, the, you know, I, I, you, there is going to be a certain number of people who didn't go to the show because of weather. But I don't think that that was a significant number. And by the way, speaking with the dealers, uh, generally speaking, the show was fair. There were people who complained and there were people who said I did okay, but it was a fair show. It wasn't a good show. So if more people had come there, maybe it would have been a good show. But the hitch there is that the people who come with money which is what the dealers are basing. You know, the dealer looks at how much they sell. Um, those people still showed up. I just think that we are in a situation right now, and I've spoken about this before, where the bottom of the market is dropping and the top of the market is rising. So people are looking for the quality stuff or the cheap stuff. And dealers, I mean, the tables were like $1,200 or something like that. And you're not going to sell, you know, cheap stuff with a $1,200 table. And uh, yeah, the market over the next, I'm going to say two or three months is going to be interesting. The dollar went back up in value because uh, the Fed increased interest rates. And... Uh, so that's going to hurt, you know, some of the foreign buyers. It's going to be interesting to see because we are really, I mean, we've been in a flux sort of time frame since November. And since November, I've seen everything. I've seen way up, way down, and everything in between. Yeah, I spent a grand sum total of $25 there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But you know, and I looked at stuff, and uh, honestly, I got a couple of really nice things. I got a U.S. number twenty-five on cover, which you know, catalogs like one hundred and twenty-five bucks or something. Got it for ten dollars. Guy knew, guy had it properly identified. It was identified as a number twenty-five on cover, ten bucks. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I collect. Yeah. And then there were uh, two cool five-cent rate covers going from Alaska to Hungary. And I thought, that's weird. Uh, yeah, I got to buy the both of those. So I bought those two for uh, $7.50 each, 15 bucks for both of them. But Alaska to Hungary in 1908, it was just a cool looking cover. So I had to take it. It will pair from a correspondence. Which town in Alaska? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. One of the big ones? or No, one of the small ones. Yeah, but... You didn't get hurt. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's see. Other than that, I looked at the exhibits. Shout out to Michael Mayer. Mayer, I know you, you're not a listener, but hey. <laughs> we're, re- we're readers, Mike. Yeah. You should start listening. Yes. We read your column or your articles. There's a new one out in um, he, the one that you write for. the Kelleher Connection. The Kelleher Connection. Yeah, there's a new Michael Meyer piece in there and there was one the previous quarter too so now we're waiting for the third installment he had uh a a single frame exhibit uh revenues used on documents and he had this great document it was a um basically a ship passport i don't know what they call them It, it wasn't like a person passport it was for a ship and it was written in eight languages and it was signed by andrew johnson and by the Secretary of State, which he said was Seward, but I think it's Stanton, isn't it? Stanton was war. Oh. The Secretary of State was Seward. Okay, so it was. Because okay. Seward, the postage stamp in 1909, right. had Seward on it for the Alaska Purchase. So, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I saw a YouTube on that. Uh, anybody uh, pull up the YouTubes on that. The actual story about his purchase is very interesting. I won't spoil any of it here, but it's worth doing a search for. Anyway, it was this document that was signed by those people. And then it was on a ship. And the ship was trapped in Arctic ice in a very, very famous shipwreck where, you know, uh, like half the people didn't survive. And, you know, they had to trek across the uh, Arctic ice and stuff like that. So it was... The ship, Andrew Johnson, Seward, and, of course, it had the revenue stamp on it. So it was very, very cool piece. I mean, it was, it was also gigantic. It's, it was yeah. like 18 inches by 18 inches. He did a very good book on Nevada revenue, or revenue stamps used in Nevada during the territorial period, most of which were on mining companies' uh, stocks. Makes sense. Yeah, and it... it he is a very good scholar. Oh, he knows his stuff. Yeah, he really oh, knows Boy, that. does he know his stuff. So I've seen his exhibits before, and yeah, he's. it's worth the books. Yeah. <laughs> and it's worth being a subscriber to Kelleher just to see the articles. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm biased because uh, I you actually write, write a, a little, uh, I write an economic thing there. Yeah, and I've heard all of those things before, so... But I do read it. Yeah. <laughs> Just to say, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Uh, otherwise, uh, let's see. I had the same drive that you did through the snow. And I don't think we're going to get any sympathy because, you know, half the oh. people who are listening are right. living in snow areas. So. Well, was Cajon Pass snowed up? It was, it was it, very snowy. It was miserable. Just at the, uh, yeah, it started at the top of the pass and then. It dissipated as you got got to the bottom of the mountain. But uh, for people who are desert rats, yeah, um, we're yeah, just, we're not used to this. Kind well, of they <laughs> they had to close the interstate uh, a couple of days before that at uh, just after um, Mountain Pass there, just yeah. after uh, State Line and into California side because a bunch of uh, semis jackknifed. And they were all over the road, and they couldn't get snowplows up there to clear the road for traffic because all these guys were in the way. So, yeah, it, it 
when it happens down here in the desert, it's a big deal. Yep. The same blizzard hit up in uh, Tahoe, and everybody said, oh, good, let's go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> they get out in their cars and drive up. So, Well, supposedly we're 40% above normal, and that matters out here. The, our listeners back east don't uh, understand it, but uh, out here we have droughts. And they go on for years. And so, you know, when the water levels of the lake start dropping, everybody goes, oh, yeah, look at that. Let's refer people that are collectors that aren't out here to the Hoover Dam uh, postage stamps and the lake that is backed up behind them, especially the Priority Mail one, which is a newer one in color. And you look at that lake level and then picture that about, oh, 50 feet less down on the canyon. I mean, it's, yeah. Oh, I have something to share about that, too. Um, Last podcast, we were talking about the express mail and priority mail stamps uh, being worth far more than face value. Uh, That came home, like, in spades at San Diego. I mean, everybody, nobody had those stamps uh, at less than double face. I mean, double face was a bargain. So, you know, forget about the Bethesda fountain, which is four times face. All of them now are significant, which I sort of predicted that it would be, you know, but yep. we'll see what happens. You know, but like I said, the market is going up and down so much because People think there's going to be a recession. And that's all priced in right now. And so everybody goes, well, if there's going to be a recession, that's going to destroy inflation. So there's not going to be any inflation. And, you know, there are people who think that. And that's just not going to happen. We're going to have a recession with really high inflation still. But, you know, that's just my crystal ball. We'll see what happens. Like I said, uh, Buy prestige stamps if you think there's going to be inflation. And when the recession starts, fill all your little holes for the cheapo stuff. I mean, I remember uh, like blackjacks. Blackjack uh, number U.S. number 73, the Andrew Jackson stamp, two cent. Um, it will go for between $3 and $5 against a $60 catalog. Unless it's in really nice condition. Then it goes for sixty to two hundred dollars against a sixty dollar catalog value. So we will see what happens. But right now, it's we're in a very, very weird market right now, and it's been this way since uh, the beginning of January. And so we'll see what happens, like right around March or April. Uh, hopefully, stuff will stabilize then because who knows what's going on now. I. I have kind of cut out my buying, which is why I only bought 25 bucks worth of stuff because I don't know when anything's going to go up or down or sideways or anything. I, I did a really good deal on, you know, the prestige items that I bought, you know, six months to a year ago. But who knows what's going on now? Uh, USPS released the $10 geometry stamp during the show. Oh. So uh, I bought a few sheets of that. But uh, I don't know if the... If the would you put that on the same par as the priority mail stamps? Oh, no. 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 Not at all. Oh, for two reasons. First of all, the let's talk about the express mail stamp. 
the express mail stamp is for a specific rate, two dollar or twenty five dollars and eighty five cents or whatever. I forget what it is. Yeah, I think it's twenty nine something right now. Yeah, something like that. So um, it goes out of fashion. You know, when the rates change, that's not the stamp anymore. Whereas a ten dollar stamp, they'll use that stamp for the next twenty years. Well, probably not, but the, e- easily the next five or ten. The stamps themselves, though, are one of the prettiest sets that, that, I agree that the UP- USPS is putting out. I mean, it's they're multicolor for the most part. They've got some. Some of them are absolutely gorgeous scenic views. Oh, absolutely. And they're they're generally of a scenic place or a famous building. So yeah, I mean. Just yeah. just collecting, if you just want the beauty of stamps, yeah. it's, a, it's a set to be collecting. Yep. I've also noticed that the, the, they come out in panes of four, and I've noticed that the panes of four price is higher than the individual stamps. Yes, it is. Because people are not buying the panes of four because it's like 120 bucks that you're shelling out. So um, if you can afford it, buy it as a pane of four. And hang on to it. Well, but here's the hitch. Uh, Paint of four is like $120. If you look back at the $9.35 express mail booklet stamp, three of them, people were buying those. That's 30 bucks. It's 30 bucks in, I forget, uh, 1986. I think it is 19. I'm, I'm maybe a little off. That's the equivalent of about $140 today. So th- what people are paying for these blocks of four, or these, excuse me, it's not a block of four, it's a sheet of four, is exactly the same that people were paying for the full booklet paints. So there is readily, you know, it, it, it's obvious that people will do that because they did. So we'll see what happens. Anything else? Not a happy collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkon was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.